Section 4 of Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report of the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, the Warren Commission Report, by the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy. Chapter 2. The Assassination, Part 1. This chapter describes President Kennedy's trip to Dallas from its origin through its tragic conclusion. The narrative of these events is based largely on the recollections of the participants, although in many instances documentary or other evidence has also been used by the Commission. Beginning with the advance plans and Secret Service preparations for the trip, this chapter reviews the motorcade through Dallas, the fleeting moments of the assassination, the activities at Parkland Memorial Hospital, and the return of the presidential party to Washington, an evaluation of the procedures employed to safeguard the president, with recommendations for improving these procedures, appears in Chapter 8 of the report. Planning the Texas Trip President Kennedy's visit to Texas in November 1963 had been under consideration for almost a year before it occurred. He had made only a few brief visits to the state since the 1960 presidential campaign, and in 1962 he began to consider a formal visit. During 1963, the reasons for making the trip became more persuasive. As a political leader, the president wished to resolve the factional controversy within the Democratic Party in Texas before the election of 1964. The party itself saw an opportunity to raise funds by having the president speak at a political dinner eventually planned for Austin. As chief of state, the president always welcomed the opportunity to learn firsthand about the problems which concerned the American people. Moreover, he looked forward to the public appearances which he personally enjoyed. The basic decision on the November trip to Texas was made at a meeting of President Kennedy, Vice President Johnson, and Governor Connolly on June 5, 1963, at the Cortez Hotel in El Paso, Texas. The President had spoken earlier that day at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and had stopped in El Paso to discuss the proposed visit and other matters with the vice president and the governor. The three agreed that the president would come to Texas in late November 1963. The original plan called for the president to spend only one day in the state, making whirlwind visits to Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, and Houston. In September, the White House decided to permit further visits by the president and extended the trip to run from the afternoon of November 21 through the evening of Friday, November 22. When Governor Connolly called at the White House on October 4 to discuss the details of the visit, it was agreed that the planning of events in Texas would be left largely to the governor. At the White House, Kenneth O'Donnell, special assistant to the president, acted as coordinator for the trip. Everyone agreed that if there was sufficient time, a motorcade through downtown Dallas would be the best way for the people to see their president. When the trip was planned for only one day, Governor Connolly had opposed the motorcade because there was not enough time. The governor stated, however, that, quote, 
Once we got San Antonio moved from Friday to Thursday afternoon, where that was his initial stop in Texas, then we had the time, and I withdrew my objections to a motorcade. End quote. According to O'Donnell, quote, we had a motorcade wherever we went, end quote. particularly in large cities where the purpose was to let the president be seen by as many people as possible. In his experience, quote, it would be automatic, end quote, for the Secret Service to arrange a route which would, within the time allotted, bring the president, quote, through an area which exposes him to the greatest number of people, end quote. Advanced Preparations for the Dallas Trip Advanced preparations for President Kennedy's visit to Dallas were primarily the responsibility of two Secret Service agents, Special Agent Winston G. Lawson, a member of the White House Detail, who acted as the advance agent, and Forrest V. Sorrells, Special Agent in charge of the Dallas office. Both agents were advised of the trip on November 4. Lawson received a tentative schedule of the Texas trip on November 8 from Roy H. Kellerman, assistant special agent in charge of the White House detail, who was the Secret Service official responsible for the entire Texas journey. As advance agent working closely with Sorrells, Lawson had responsibility for arranging the timetable for the president's visit to Dallas and coordinating local activities with the White House staff, the organizations directly concerned with the visit, and local law enforcement officials. Lawson's most important responsibilities were to take preventive action against anyone in Dallas considered a threat to the president, to select the luncheon site and motorcade route, and to plan security measures for the luncheon and the motorcade. Preventive Intelligence Activities the Protective Research Section, PRS, of the Secret Service maintains records of people who have threatened the President or so conducted themselves as to be deemed a potential danger to him. On November 8, 1963, after undertaking the responsibility for advance preparations for the visit to Dallas, Agent Lawson went to the PRS offices in Washington. A check of the geographic indices there revealed no listing for any individual deemed to be a potential danger to the president in the territory of the Secret Service Regional Office, which includes Dallas and Fort Worth. To supplement the PRS files, the Secret Service depends largely on local police departments and local offices of other federal agencies, which advise it of potential threats immediately before the visit of the president to their community. Upon his arrival in Dallas on November 12, Lawson conferred with the local police and the local office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation about potential dangers to the president. Although there was no mention in PRS files of the demonstration in Dallas against Ambassador Adlai Stevenson on October 24, 1963, Lawson inquired about the incident and obtained through the local police photographs of some of the persons involved. On November 22, a Secret Service agent stood at the entrance to the Trade Mart, where the President was scheduled to speak, with copies of these photographs. Dallas detectives in the lobby of the Trade Mart and in the luncheon area also had copies of these photographs. A number of people who resembled some of those in the photographs were placed under surveillance at the Trade Mart. 
The FBI office in Dallas gave the local Secret Service representatives the name of a possibly dangerous individual in the Dallas area who was investigated. It also advised the Secret Service of the circulation on November 21 of a handbill sharply critical of President Kennedy, discussed in Chapter 6 of this report. Shortly before, the Dallas police had reported to the Secret Service that the handbill had appeared on the streets of Dallas. Neither the Dallas police nor the FBI had yet learned the source of the handbill. No one else was identified to the Secret Service through local inquiry as potentially dangerous, nor did PRS develop any additional information between November 12, when Lawson left Washington, and November 22. The adequacy of the intelligence system maintained by the Secret Service at the time of the assassination, including a detailed description of the available data on Lee Harvey Oswald and the reasons why his name had not been furnished to the Secret Service, is discussed in Chapter 8. The Luncheon Site An important purpose of the President's visit to Dallas was to speak at a luncheon given by business and civic leaders. The White House staff informed the Secret Service that the President would arrive and depart from Dallas's Love Field, that a motorcade through the downtown area of Dallas to the luncheon site should be arranged, and that following the luncheon, the President would return to the airport by the most direct route. Accordingly, it was important to determine the luncheon site as quickly as possible so that security could be established at the site and the motorcade route selected. On November 4, Gerald A. Benn, agent in charge of the White House detail, asked Sorrells to examine three potential sites for the luncheon. One building, Market Hall, was unavailable for November 22. The second, the Women's Building at the State Fairgrounds, was a one-story building with few entrances and easy to make secure, but it lacked necessary food handling facilities and had certain unattractive features including a low ceiling with exposed conduits and beams. The third possibility, the Trademart, a handsome new building with all the necessary facilities, presented security problems. It had numerous entrances, several tiers of balconies surrounding the central court where the luncheon would be held, and several catwalks crossing the court at each level. On November 4, Sorrells told Ben... He believed security difficulties at the trademark could be overcome by special precautions. Lawson also evaluated the security hazards at the trademark on November 13. Kenneth O'Donnell made the final decision to hold the luncheon at the trademark. Ben so notified Lawson on November 14. Once the trademark had been selected, Sorrells and Lawson worked out detailed arrangements for security at the building. In addition to the preventive measures already mentioned, they provided for controlling access to the building, closing off and policing areas around it, securing the roof, and ensuring the presence of numerous police officers inside and around the building. Ultimately, more than 200 law enforcement officers, mainly Dallas police, but including eight Secret Service agents, were deployed in and around the trademark. The Motorcade Route On November 8, when Lawson was briefed on the itinerary for the trip to Dallas, 
he was told that 45 minutes had been allotted for a motorcade procession from Love Field to the luncheon site. Lawson was not specifically instructed to select the parade route, but he understood that this was one of his functions. Even before the trademark had been definitely selected, Lawson and Sorrells began to consider the best motorcade route from Love Field to the trademark. On November 14, Lawson and Sorrells attended a meeting at Love Field, and on their return to Dallas, drove over the route which Sorrells believed best suited for the proposed motorcade. This route, eventually selected for the motorcade from the airport to the trademark, measured 10 miles and could be driven easily within the allotted 45 minutes. From Love Field, the route passed through a portion of suburban Dallas, through the downtown area along Main Street, and then to the trademark via Stemmons Freeway. For the president's return to Love Field following the luncheon, the agents selected the most direct route, which was approximately four miles. After the selection of the trademark as the luncheon site, Lawson and Sorrells met with Dallas Chief of Police Jesse E. Curry, Assistant Chief Charles Batchelor, Deputy Chief N.T. Fisher, and several other command officers to discuss details of the motorcade and possible routes. The route was further reviewed by Lawson and Sorrells with Assistant Chief Batchelor and members of the local host committee on November 15. The police officials agreed that the route recommended by Sorrells was the proper one and did not express a belief that any other route might be better. On November 18, Sorrells and Lawson drove over the selected route with Batchelor and other police officers, verifying that it could be traversed within 45 minutes. Representatives of the local host committee and the White House staff were advised by the Secret Service of the actual route on the afternoon of November 18. The route impressed the agents as a natural and desirable one. Sorrells, who had participated in presidential protection assignments in Dallas since a visit by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1936, as testified that the traditional parade route in Dallas was along Main Street, since the tall buildings along the street gave more people an opportunity to participate. The route chosen from the airport to Main Street was the normal one, except where Harwood Street was selected as the means of access to Main Street in preference to a short stretch of the Central Expressway, which presented a minor safety hazard and could not accommodate spectators as conveniently as Harwood Street. According to Lawson, the chosen route seemed to be the best. It afforded us wide streets most of the way because of the buses that were in the motorcade. It afforded us a chance to have alternative routes if something happened on the motorcade route. It was the type of suburban area, a good part of the way, where the crowds would be able to be controlled for a great distance, and we figured that the largest crowds would be downtown, which they were, and that the wide streets that we would use downtown would be of sufficient width to keep the public out of our way. Elm Street, parallel to Main Street and one block north, was not used for the main portion of the downtown part of the motorcade because Main Street offered better vantage points for spectators. To reach the trademark from Main Street, the agents decided to use the Stemmons Freeway, Route Number 77, the most direct route. 
the only practical way for westbound traffic on Main Street to reach the northbound lanes of the Stemmons Freeway is via Elm Street, which Route No. 77 traffic is instructed to follow in this part of the city. Elm Street was to be reached from Maine by turning right at Houston, going one block north and then turning left onto Elm. On this last portion of the journey, only five minutes from the trademark, the President's motorcade would pass the Texas School Book Depository Building on the northwest corner of Houston and Elm Streets. The building overlooks Dealey Plaza, an attractively landscaped triangle of three acres. From Houston Street, which forms the base of the triangle, three streets, Commerce, Main, and Elm, trisect the plaza, converging at the apex of the triangle to form a triple underpass beneath a multiple railroad bridge almost 500 feet from Houston Street. Elm Street, the northernmost of the three, after intersecting Houston, curves in a southwesterly arc through the underpass and leads into an access road which branches off to the right and is used by traffic going to the Stemmons Freeway and the Dallas-Fort Worth Turnpike. The Elm Street approach to the Stemmons Freeway is necessary in order to avoid the traffic hazards which would otherwise exist if right turns were permitted from both Main and Elm into the freeway. To create this traffic pattern, a concrete barrier between Main and Elm Streets presents an obstacle to a right turn from Main across Elm to the access road to Stemmons Freeway and the Dallas-Fort Worth Turnpike. This concrete barrier extends far enough beyond the access road to make it impracticable for vehicles to turn right from Main directly to the access road. A sign located on this barrier instructs Main Street traffic not to make any turns. In conformity with these arrangements, traffic proceeding west on Main is directed to turn right at Houston in order to reach the Dallas-Fort Worth Turnpike, which has the same access road from Elm Street as does the Stemmons Freeway. The planning for the motorcade also included advanced preparations for security arrangements along the route. Sorrells and Lawson reviewed the route in cooperation with Assistant Chief Bachelor and other Dallas police officials who took notes on the requirements for controlling the crowds and traffic, watching the overpasses, and providing motorcycle escort. To control traffic, Arrangements were made for the deployment of foot patrolmen and motorcycle police at various positions along the route. Police were assigned to each overpass on the route and instructed to keep them clear of unauthorized persons. No arrangements were made for police or building custodians to inspect buildings along the motorcade route since the Secret Service did not normally request or make such a check. Under standard procedures, the responsibility for watching the windows of buildings was shared by local police stationed along the route and Secret Service agents riding in the motorcade. As the date for the President's visit approached, the two Dallas newspapers carried several reports of his motorcade route. The selection of the trademark as the possible site for the luncheon first appeared in the Dallas Times-Herald on November 15, 1963. The following day, the newspaper reported that the presidential party, quote, apparently will loop through the downtown area, probably on Main Street, en route from Dallas Love Field, end quote, on its way to the trademark. 
On November 19, the Times-Herald afternoon paper detailed the precise route. From the airport, the President's party will proceed to Mockingbird Lane, to Lemon, and then to Turtle Creek, turning south to Cedar Springs. The motorcade will then pass through downtown on Harwood, and then west on Main, turning back to Elm at Houston, and then out Stemmons Freeway to the Trademark. Also on November 19, the Morning News reported that the President's motorcade would travel from Love Field along specified streets, then Harwood to Maine, Maine to Houston, Houston to Elm, Elm under the triple underpass to Stemmons Freeway, and on to the Trademark. On November 20, a front-page story reported that the streets on which the presidential motorcade would travel included Maine and Stemmons Freeway. On the morning of the president's arrival, the morning news noted that the motorcade would travel through downtown Dallas onto the Stemmons Freeway and reported that, quote, the motorcade will move slowly so that crowds can get a good view of President Kennedy and his wife. End quote. Dallas before the visit. The president's intention to pay a visit to Texas in the fall of 1963 aroused interest throughout the state. The two Dallas newspapers provided their readers with a steady stream of information and speculation about the trip, beginning on September 13 when the Times-Herald announced, in a front-page article, that President Kennedy was planning a brief one-day tour of four Texas cities, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, and Houston. Both Dallas papers cited White House sources on September 26 as confirming the president's intention to visit Texas on November 21 and 22, with Dallas scheduled as one of the stops. Articles, editorials, and letters to the editor in the Dallas Morning News and the Dallas Times-Herald after September 13 reflected the feeling in the community toward the forthcoming presidential visit. Although there were critical editorials and letters to the editors, the news stories reflected the desire of Dallas officials to welcome the president with dignity and courtesy. An editorial in the Times-Herald of September 17 called on the people of Dallas to be congenial hosts, even though Dallas didn't vote for Mr. Kennedy in 1960, may not endorse him in 64. On October 3, the Dallas Morning News quoted U.S. Representative Joe Poole's hope that President Kennedy would receive a good welcome and would not face demonstrations like those encountered by Vice President Johnson during the 1960 campaign. Increased concern about the President's visit was aroused by the incident involving the U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Adlai E. Stevenson. On the evening of October 24, 1963, after addressing a meeting in Dallas, Stevenson was jeered, jostled, and spat upon by hostile demonstrators outside the Dallas Memorial Auditorium Theater. The local, national, and international reaction to this incident evoked from Dallas officials and newspapers strong condemnations of the demonstrators. Mayor Earl Cabell called on the city to redeem itself during President Kennedy's visit. He asserted that Dallas had shed its reputation of the 20s as the, quote, Southwest hate capital of Dixie, end quote. On October 26, the press reported Chief of Police Curry's plans 
to call in 100 extra off-duty officers to help protect President Kennedy. Any thought that the president might cancel his visit to Dallas was ended when Governor Connolly confirmed on November 8 that the president would come to Texas on November 21 and 22 and that he would visit San Antonio, Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas, and Austin. During November, the Dallas papers reported frequently on the plans for protecting the president, stressing the thoroughness of the preparations. They conveyed the pleas of Dallas leaders that citizens not demonstrate or create disturbances during the president's visit. On November 18, the Dallas City Council adopted a new city ordinance prohibiting interference with attendance at lawful assemblies. Two days before the president's arrival, Chief Curry warned that the Dallas police would not permit improper conduct during the president's visit. Meanwhile, on November 17, the president of the Dallas Chamber of Commerce referred to the city's reputation for being the friendliest town in America and asserted that citizens would, quote, greet the president of the United States with the warmth and pride that keep the Dallas spirit famous the world over, end quote. Two days later, a local Republican leader called for a civilized, nonpartisan welcome for President Kennedy, stating that, in many respects, Dallas County has isolated itself from the mainstream of life in the world in this decade. Another reaction to the impending visit, hostile to the president, came to a head shortly before his arrival. On November 21, there appeared on the streets of Dallas the anonymous handbill mentioned above. It was fashioned after the wanted circulars issued by law enforcement agencies. Beneath two photographs of President Kennedy, one full face and one profile, appeared the caption, quote, wanted for treason, end quote, followed by a scurrilous bill of particulars that constituted a vilification of the president. And on the morning of the president's arrival, there appeared in the morning news a full black-bordered advertisement headed, Welcome, Mr. Kennedy, to Dallas, sponsored by the American Fact-Finding Committee, which the sponsor later testified was an ad hoc committee, quote, formed strictly for the purpose of having a name to put in the paper, end quote. The welcome consisted of a series of statements and questions critical of the president and his administration. End of section 4. Recording by Linda Johnson.